Welcome to the Lift Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Neff. And I'm your co-host, Kyle Cortez. Welcome to the third installment of the Lift Lounge Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about considerations when it comes to designing your weekly training split. You may be wondering what even is a weekly training split. It's simply a way to organize your volume across a week, which is also known as a microcycle. A microcycle can be a bit shorter or even a bit longer, but it's generally about seven days in length. And then multiple microcycles make up a mesocycle, which is very individualized when it comes to duration, but it is generally about four to six weeks in length. And then multiple mesocycles will make up a macro cycle, which is generally months of training planned in advance. This is something that we're going to dive much further in depth with in future episodes. But today we're just going to be starting at the foundational level of program design, simply discussing various considerations with designing your weekly training split, such as your adherence, enjoyment, being realistic, the time that you have for your training sessions, your training age, and then also give you guys a few different examples of training splits. So I'm going to throw it over to Kyle to discuss adherence. Yeah, there's a lot of things to unpack with this episode. Um, and I think with um, some of our listeners, they probably might have a lot of questions with regards to what their split should be, um, given some of the restraints that they have or responsibilities that they currently have in their life. So, you know, maybe they might ask questions like, you know, I work two jobs, I have kids, you know, do I have to work? Uh, do I have to go to the gym um, five days a week? Or can I be a high level athlete while being able to train three times a week? And my answer to that is yes, I think you can. I think that with proper planning and if the effort is there, you can absolutely um, do those things. But I do have to preface that no matter how good your plan looks on paper, uh, it won't be effective if you can't adhere to the plan. And I think adherence is the most important aspect in determining the effectiveness and the trainability that a program has. And with beginners, I think they have the hardest time with adherence just because everything is so novel, right? And going to the gym and bettering your health can be a big change for some people. And we all know that training is undoubtedly hard. So doing that five times a week to start might be a little bit too much for some individuals. So what we can do is maybe keep training two to three times a week that will be able to keep motivation high and the desire to go to the gym a little bit high until we learn how to enjoy the process. And then from there, we can build momentum until we become more consistent. And then maybe if the if our schedules allow for it, we can add more days, right? So I would much rather have somebody plan to train three days a week and actually come in those three days versus plan for five days and miss two, right? There's a, there's a very psychological aspect about missing some of these workouts and the guilt and self-doubt surrounding it. Like, you know, am I, am I good enough to do this? And I don't know if I'll be able to reach my goals. And, you know, this feeling of not being able to stick to the plan may lead to giving up too early and not realizing our full potential, right? 
So to be able to be adherent to the plan, training needs to meet certain criteria, right? So training needs to be realistic, it needs to be enjoyable, and it needs to be flexible. So let's take a look at that first one here, realistic. You need to be realistic about your time frame. If you're a competitive athlete uh, looking to do a meet or a bodybuilding show, you need to map out your timeline accordingly. I don't think you should come to a coach, you know, maybe eight to six weeks out saying, hey, I want to do this competition. You probably should have came to us, you know, months in advance so that we can plan that timeline accordingly. Now with that shorter timeline, we have to make adjustments to the plan and we have to accommodate for that shorter schedule. And even if you're like a recreational lifter and you're trying to get lean for the summer, don't map out your stuff, you know, in March, in April, you know, you should start now, like say November, December, and you need to match that time frame to the training approach that you're considering. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. And one thing I do want to touch on is you, you touched on beginners having a hard time with adherence. And this is something I've seen over the many years of training is that when people want to get into, let's just say, you know, doing classes or training or nutrition, they always want to go from zero to 100. Uh, so when I have somebody that is a beginner that's starting with me and they're like, I would love to train five or six days a week. I really want to get some good results. I always tell them, let's actually start with the lowest amount that we possibly can do to get you results. And then we can use frequency, maybe training four times and five times uh, down the road so that we have a tool in our toolbox. Um, so absolutely love that. And then um, you had touched on the time frame. So one thing that I personally think is uh, a very valuable tool is making sure that you are periodizing your training to your schedule. So if you know, for example, um, every fourth week at the end of the month is always a really, really hard week for you at work, then maybe you try to plan a little bit of a deload during that time frame. Um, you could also extend that and say, like, if you have a vacation in the summer or something like that, you have a trip, uh, making sure that maybe you have, you know, 12 weeks that you're going to uh, dedicate to getting into shape for this trip, then maybe you have um, a deload week on that vacation so that you can make sure that you're getting quality, quality training in when you can, and then deloading when it is appropriate for you, your schedule, and everything that's going on between that. Yeah. You also touched on schedule. So, you know, most of us aren't full-time bodybuilders. We, we can't train six days out of the week. So we have other responsibilities that occupy our time, like family, we have a spouse, we have kids, you got to take the kids to practice. And I'm sure you guys have other hobbies on top of that as well. So we need to find where lifting fits into the bigger picture in our life, right? And being optimal does not equal being realistic. So just because it looks good on paper um, and having a plan that's has your training days on five days a week, maybe realistically, you might be only able to train four days out of those weeks. 
Yep, a hundred percent. And I love the fact that you said optimal does not always equal realistic. Um, and optimal doesn't always mean that you're going to be getting better results, right? Um, you know, I think that word is is something that we logically think about, and we always think, okay, well, this is the better choice, so we're going to get better results with that. But again, like you said, we have to take all of these other things into consideration. Um, and then going off on, a, on a, a side tangent when it comes to the optimal stuff. Um, so in your programming, if you have like optimal movement patterns, well, it might not be the most optimal for you. Um, so for example, like I will just never set up a barbell glute bridge. Um, I absolutely despise getting the bench, getting the pad, getting underneath of it, getting DC blocks, etc. cetera. Um, so I would rather much prefer doing a 45 degree hip extension if I'm trying to get the short position for my glutes. Um, so just remember also, cause we're seeing this stuff on social media very often of, you know, people doing uh, special movements like iliac lat pull downs where they have to get a bench out. They have to use the lat pull down cable. They have their own special handles. They have a daisy chain. They need 14 different dumbbells to load on top of the bench to make sure the bench doesn't move. Um, so what I'm getting at here is that, you know, we do not need to be doing these things if they just because they are quote unquote optimal. Um, but also take into consideration the time constraints that somebody has, um, enjoyment when doing a movement. Um, even if something feels really good for you and it's quote unquote optimal, but takes you three times as long to do it. Is it really worth it? Um, and then another thing I want to touch on is just time constraints in general. So, you know, if somebody is only going to the gym due to time constraints and they only have, uh, let's say, three sessions a week, then that person can use something like supersets, um, which would just be would be doing one movement followed by another movement and then resting and then repeating that. Um, so you could be doing something that would be not interfering with each other. Maybe that's an upper movement with a lower movement. So maybe you're doing a pull up and you're doing a hack squat. Um, and another consideration would be antagonistic muscle groups. Um, so maybe you're doing a pull up and you pair that with a shoulder press. Um, but that could help you get more volume within your time frame that you have uh, for training. Yeah, it's funny that you actually brought up the the iliac pull down because that's exactly the reason why I don't like setting that movement up. It's because it takes so long. You got to get the bench. And even between sets, when you're going from arm to arm, you have to adjust the bench a little bit so that your arm is like in line with the, the cam. Yeah, so um, my option, my alternative option for that would be to use the high to low row where your arm is at like 120 degrees of humeral elevation. And I'll just throw like angles 90 grips on top of that. So all I have to do is just throw angles 90 grips on the handles and then just load up the um, the plates. And that, that mimics the same movement pattern, right? Mm -hmm. So that ties uh, directly into the second criteria, which is enjoyable. Uh, your training needs to be enjoyable. If you love your training style, you love your training split, you're going to put more effort into your training. And the more enjoyable it is, the more effort that you're going to put into your training and potentially the more results. So it's this cycle, right? That, so that we see. So you see results, the desire to be in the gym goes up 
and the more effort goes into your workouts. And if you love the process, you know, you love the training, you'll be more than willing to come back and do it again, no matter how hard it is. Yeah, that is definitely something I take into account when I am making a, a, a program for a client. You know, if I have a client that came from a powerlifting background, then I might have them utilize some powerlifting uh, movements, right? Maybe they're doing barbell bench press, barbell back squat. Maybe they like deadlifts. Whereas if I have a, a client that maybe is just solely focused primarily on body composition, maybe I would have chosen some different exercises, um, but based on what they enjoy, then I'm definitely going to make sure that I tailor their exercise selection toward what they, what they like. Um, and the same thing could be said, you know, if somebody has done CrossFit or endurance style workouts like Metcons and stuff like that in the past, um, then maybe I will have them utilize some of those um, similarities between those. Um, another thing is personality, right? Like uh, we all know the the blood blood and guts type of personality, uh, where people are just craving intensity. They want to go to to failure on absolutely everything. You know, if that's what that person's uh, enjoyment factor is, is they love to go to failure. They love the intensity aspect. Then maybe I will have them, you know, train to failure with lower amounts of volume. Um, but you know, we all know some people don't operate that way. So maybe they need to leave a couple reps in the tank. Uh, they don't have that personality style that allows them to push themselves into, uh, you know, quote unquote, dark places. Um, so maybe they're using, you know, two to three reps in reserve and they are maybe using a little bit more volume because they're not training as close to uh, failure. Now, last thing here with the enjoyment aspect is you won't enjoy everything, right? Like I don't enjoy doing split squats to failure. I don't enjoy doing a pendulum squat to failure. Um, so just wanted to leave it at that too. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better myself, really. And then now we can look at the third criteria of training, which is flexibility. So flexibility is a requirement of both being realistic and your training being enjoyable. So life doesn't stop for lifting, right? Life happens. And when things happen, you need to be able to be flexible enough to accommodate the changes while still being able to make progress. So maybe your, your kid might get sick. Um, are you going to miss a session and, you know, just derail all of your progress by not lifting for the rest of the week? Or are you just going to pick back up where you left off and not let it bother you? Whether that be by combining workouts or, you know, you have to work out back to back days, it's not really a big deal, right? So we need to be able to, um, have some structured flexibility or what we like to call auto-regulation. So when stress is high, you need to be flexible, right? Stress is stress, regardless if it comes from training or from work or, you know, just from life in general. So when stress may be too high, um, it might be counterproductive to actually go into these sessions with such high fatigue, right? Because um, sometimes that high fatigue can lead to injury. So I think the better option would maybe to just take that rest day 
you know, push the workout maybe to the following day uh, when you are mentally and physically prepared to train hard. And flexibility can also um, flexibility can also be tied into like our energy levels. So you can auto-regulate based on your energy levels for that day. Maybe you're feeling very low energy, but you still, you know, want to get that workout in. Maybe what you can look to do is plan to do the easiest workout of the week. Maybe you had legs that day, um, plan for that day. And, you know, you're not in a, in a headspace or like you're physically capable of, you know, pushing legs all the way to like one RIR like you planned. So maybe you have like an upper day um, that's later in the week. Maybe you can do that one first and then push that leg day um, a little bit down the week. So what we can go into now is synchronous versus asynchronous split. Very easy to understand concept here. Synchronous is um, a set schedule. So you have specific days where you train, you have specific days where you rest. And I think most people will fall into this category of um, weekly structure just because, you know, um, some of us might be parents, we, we might be students. So it might be easier to fit training into the bigger picture of our schedule. Yeah, so I'll just give you guys a little bit of a story with myself. So I've always followed a synchronous split where I would have like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And if I woke up on a Thursday and I felt kind of rough, um, I wasn't going to have a good session, I would have anxiety that I had to get that session done or I would fall behind. And something that I've been doing recently is more of the auto regulation, which we discussed above this and moved my split more to an asynchronous split, uh, which Kyle will go into here shortly. Um, but that alone opened up so much freedom for me um, and the ability to essentially um, take a shot when I feel more accurate with my training um, and then not also that, but also just being able to step back and realize like, hey, if I miss a training session, it is not the worst thing in the world. Um, so now I've actually been able to reduce the amount of stress that I have every week around my training just by moving from a synchronous to an asynchronous split. And then for people who do like to have the synchronous splits, the very structured type of programming, then maybe, you know, taking into account what days might be more stressful for you. Uh, so let's just say somebody has a very stressful Monday, then maybe you pick an easy session for Monday. So you just program um, whatever that easy session might look like on Monday, or just take that as a rest day. Yeah, exactly. So with the asynchronous um, split, like Adam alluded to, it's a floating schedule. So training days and rest days never land on the same day. So if you have an eight day split, like push, pull legs off, push, pull legs off in a seven day, um, a week rotation, maybe you start Monday with push and you go pull legs off, pull legs off. By the time you get back to that Monday, the following Monday, that is going to be your off day. So push is going to actually start on the Tuesday. So the advantages 
um, to that, more flexibility. Um, great for auto-regulating training. You're able to take those extra rest days when you need it, right? So your schedule is off anyway. It doesn't really matter if you condense your schedule or you spread it out a little bit more, right? So that's going to be really good for like the advanced bodybuilders looking to prioritize fatigue management. And it's also good for those that don't have a lot of commitments in their life currently. Maybe they have a little bit more of an open schedule where they can, you know, afford to float their schedule a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm able to do that. I can just walk out my back door and go into the gym, uh, whereas most people, you know, they have to drive to a gym um, and they have to plan that a little bit more. Um, so we'll throw it back to you for the different types of splits. Yeah, so um, we went over the criteria of what training should look like. We went over asynchronous and synchronous splits. Now we can get a little bit into the different types of splits that we can do. So a training split is just a way of organizing your volume for the week. And training splits essentially do two things. Um, it allows you to train your muscles enough, with enough frequency to cause adaptations. And it gives your muscles enough time to heal between sessions. Yeah. yeah, so I think what I'll just do is just dive into a couple of different types of splits based on the frequency in which you have available to train per week. So if you're going to train one time a week, I would highly recommend just doing a full body session, right? So you can hit absolutely everything. The same thing could be said about two times a week. If you're training on Monday and Thursday, you can definitely do full body because you're going to have enough time for those muscles to recover. And then up to three times a week, I would generally say still doing a full body. Maybe that look that week looks like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Maybe it looks like Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, something along those lines where you're giving yourself adequate time of recovery between sessions. But of course, the days in which you are training definitely affect this. So let's say somebody only has Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to train, then maybe they need to branch out from the uh, full body split and maybe do something like a third body split so that they are not having the same muscle groups being trained in the consecutive days. Um, so maybe they have um, all pushing, all pulling, and then all lower body. Um, so moving on to four times a week. Um, so this is where you could maybe move into like a half body split. So maybe this person is doing an upper lower. Uh, so maybe on Monday they do upper on Tuesday, they do lower and then they repeat that starting on Thursday. And personally speaking, if I'm doing some sort of upper lower, um, I would recommend taking a rest day after the lower day, since that tends to be the most fatiguing. Um, and creates the most amount of damage so that you can allow yourself to recover. Um, because if you flip it and you do lower upper, uh, when you get into the upper day, you might have some crazy doms from lower from the lower body day, and then also have some systemic fatigue that will impact your performance. Uh, another half body split could be a full body pushing. 
and a full body pulling. So you're still hitting everything two times a week, uh, but you just break it down uh, a little bit differently. So if you're doing full body pushing, then you would be doing quadriceps with chest, delts, and triceps. And if you're doing full body pulling, then maybe you're doing glutes and hamstrings with upper back, lats, and biceps. Um, so, you know, of course, you guys can always be a little bit more flexible within this framework. Um, but if you are moving up to five times a week, this is where you have um, a lot more freedom, right? So you could do a combination of the upper lower and then mix in something like push pull legs, which Kyle discussed earlier. Um, you know, there's a plethora of different splits, but again, we just wanted to give you guys a couple of these to, to reference. And then if you are moving up to six times a week, you know, this is where you can start using push pull lower. Um, and again, just remember this is the framework and you guys have plenty of flexibility within that. Yeah. So this is just really like a framework. So you can see that as we add more training days, you're able to split up some of these body parts a little bit more. And then there are advantages and disadvantages, of course, of every single split. So I'm just going to go into, you know, some of the advantages and disadvantages, starting with full body. So yeah, like we said, beginners, typically we want to keep three times a week, but as you get more advanced, you can potentially scale that up to six, but there's also a caveat that comes with it. And that is the amount of fatigue that you can generate from doing six times a week because you're only getting one rest day, right? And you can really like overdo volume if you're not careful with that. So for upper lower um, advantages, you know, you can potentially have it as an asynchronous split, right? You can spread your schedule apart. You can con uh, condense it if you want to. And you have like um, a separate day for legs because legs can be very fatiguing and it requires like a lot of mental fortitude to get through these sessions, right? And disadvantages, again, if you want to scale this up to six sessions, just know that there's going to be a lot of fatigue that's generated with that. I think PPL is probably the most um, asynchronous split that you can do. I mean, it, it provides like so much flexibility, but I keep it to, you know, um, like an asynchronous split, such as like the push pull legs off, push pull legs off versus doing push pull legs, push pull legs off, right? Just because of that fatigue that generates. So training age also is a factor in determining the split that we run. So uh, for beginners, uh, we don't need that much stimulus to produce adaptations. We can grow from really low volumes, really low frequencies, and relatively far from failure. So having that full body three times a week, I think, is the best option for beginners. Um, just because you have that frequency to practice movement patterns and ingrain proper movement patterns, getting those exercise execution um, patterns down. And then as we get to an intermediate, we get a little bit more advanced here. Uh, we want a little bit more volume for our training. 
a little bit more frequency, that's when we can bump up to a upper lower split or a push pull leg split potentially, or the full pushing, full pulling kind of sessions, right? And then as we get more advanced, this is where fatigue management really does um, play a big role. So we need to be training closer to failure. We need to be managing fatigue better, which is where an asynchronous split would be the most optimal. So having like a modified push-pull leg session or like a modified full body, maybe five times a week. And Jeff Nippert actually has a, a very good video on YouTube. If you guys want to check that out, if you was want to do these full body splits, he has a, a very good video explaining how to do that. Yeah, I think he actually has some full body splits on his website as well. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, he has some training programs as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I did want to touch on. So uh, one side note when it comes to the four times a week split. So we talked about full body pulling and full body pushing. So one disadvantage to that would be that you would have to warm up your lower body four times a week, you know, and that might take some some extra time. So if time management is very important to you and you do have time constraints, maybe an upper lower would be a better option so that you didn't have to warm up your lower body, you know, again, twice or uh, four times a week instead of two times a week. Um, and then another little caveat here is like, if you are doing upper lower and you're doing uh, four times a week and you do decide to move that up to six times a week, a way that you can potentially spread out the amount of fatigue is let's say you were doing 10 sets per muscle group per week for that entire four times a week upper lower. If you move to six times a week for that upper lower, then maybe just sticking with the same amount of volume so that you're not overdoing the amount of uh, fatigue that you can recover from, right? Um, and then on top of that, you know, you might still actually be able to elicit more gains by having more frequency because you're not, um, you're coming in with the muscles maybe a little bit fresher um, than having, you know, eight sets deep on another day. Um, so that brings us to the discussion around prioritizing specific body parts. So in terms of uh, setting up your split, then you might want to consider what muscle groups you want to prioritize. Uh, maybe this isn't such a good topic for somebody who's a beginner, right? Like we're not really quite sure um, what are uh, strong muscle groups and weak muscle groups. Uh, but let's just say uh, somebody wants to prioritize their glutes, then maybe making sure that you start your week off with glutes when you are the most recovered. Um, and then also exercise order. Again, we're getting into the specifics of program design. Um, but again, we want to just try and give you guys as much value as possible. Um, so if somebody wants their calves to grow, for example, um, you know, typically if you look at a leg day, calves are always at the end and it's pretty hard to put in a lot of effort to your calves after you destroyed yourself on a pendulum squat and an RDL. Um, so you know, exercise order can be very important for prioritizing certain muscle groups. So maybe you move your calves up to the beginning of the session uh, where you do maybe have a little bit more um, energy um, and you don't have as much fatigue. Right. And people do this with uh, with calves. They'll do it with medial delts, for example. So on push day, rather than starting off with 
um, like a flat dumbbell press. Maybe they'll do a lateral raise and then move to the dumbbell press uh, just because the lateral raise will not impede your performance a whole lot on your pressing. Um, and yeah, I think that pretty much sums that up. Yeah, I think a needs analysis is in place more so for like intermediate and like advanced lifters, right? So beginners, like you said, we don't really know what specific body parts are our strong or weak points. I think at that time, it's so early on that we need to build a foundation first before we can look to um, specificity of certain muscle groups. So yeah, for the intermediate and more advanced lifters, we need to see, okay, what things need to be brought up. So using me as an example, um, I want to prioritize my chest, my shoulders, and my arms. So frequency has increased on the priority muscles and frequency and volume has decreased on the muscles that um, don't need to grow as fast, right? So that's my legs. So what my uh, split looks like right now, it's push, pull legs, upper and arms. So I'm only doing legs once a week. And there needs to be that reduction in volume for the non-prioritizing muscles, because if you were to keep volume the same, essentially, you're still growing the legs at the same rate, right? We want to be able to drop that frequency and that volume down just to maintenance levels so that, you know, these priority muscles have time to get bigger, like my chest, my shoulders, my arms, right? And I have an arm day specifically um, for the reason of coming into that session fresh and being able to hit them hard. So I have triceps and biceps on push and pull at the end of my session. And then I don't have any arm work on my upper days. So I have an arm day um, dedicated uh, just for that, just for hitting it hard. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums almost everything up, don't you think, Kyle? Yeah, I think cool. so. I mean, the main thing that I can say is like, you know, just, just try, try stuff. You know what I mean? If, um, if you don't like the full body three times a week and you know, you have time to do, um, upper lower, you know, just try stuff, try a synchronous split, try an asynchronous split. You know, there's, there's no hard definition of what you should or should not do. Right. Yeah. So these are just recommendations. I mean, you don't, you don't have to listen to us. I mean, who are we? Who am I? Like, what, what is the importance of life, Adam? <laughs> Very thought-provoking questions here and, you know, which may or may not be answered in the next episode, but, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Like, weekly training splits are not magical. Um, if anybody is trying to tell you, hey, this split is better than the split that you're doing, eh, take it with a grain of salt, right? It's really just the way to organize your volume track your metrics and see how you respond to it. Um, and then that kind of just brings us to the closing, you know, make sure that when you do follow a training split, you track in your logbook to make sure you're making progressions, track this for many months. Um, and then you can look back and say, okay, I've done this split for five months and this muscle did not respond, but this muscle responded really well. What do I need to change uh, to make sure that I can prioritize that muscle group? Anything else to add, Kyle? No, nope, very well said. I got nothing.
Cool. Uh, so I think that pretty much sums everything up, guys. Um, our next topic will be about stimulus to fatigue ratio. Is that right? Um, hold on. Let me look here in the notes. Um, mm. It will be. What are the best movements to include in your training uh, program? Yes. Best movements. Awesome. Yeah. Very exciting episode. A lot of goodies in that one. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of nuance here, um, but of course, we'll we'll uh, give you guys the practical takeaways. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening. See you guys in the next episode.